Father, speak into our lives as we ponder the mysteries of your coming again. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. I've been thinking about this question that you see on the screen. Why? Why did Jesus have to come as a baby? I mean, Jesus is God, right? He could have just come as a grown-up. Did three years of ministry. Why? Why? Why, Chris, why, why the baby? Why did Jesus have to come in the way that he did? Why don't you talk to the person? Go, go find someone. Talk to the person there. Come on, answer that question. Why? Why do you think Jesus had to come? Let me just say before you carry on, if you Google this, like virtually every website will come up with a different answer to this question. And you will too. So feel free to answer it any way you like, okay? Because there's lots of answers. You got it? Sorted? Shall I sit down? We just go for coffee? You know, there's loads and loads and loads of answers to this question. There are biblical answers, obviously. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah. And many of those talk about the Messiah coming as a baby. So Jesus had to come because it was foretold thousands of years before. You know, we, we had, uh, just an, an aside, you know, one of the things I love about the Scriptures is that it's 66 different books written by 50 or so authors over like a 2,000-year time period. It just, huh? Yeah, I mean, it just, it blows your mind when you think about it. It is so unique because it all ties together in the one story. I mean, which other collection of books over 2,000 years on three different continents written by 50 different kinds of people would connect like the Scriptures do? And most of the people that had the Scripture, like as they were writing, didn't have the other writings that were available, you know. They, they wouldn't have, Matthew didn't have Mark and Luke and John at the same time. They're all written in different, they, they didn't have it. They didn't have the rest of the New Testament. And so, you know, like as they were writing these things, they, they didn't have all the other ones to, to compare notes with. They just wrote it in, di in the different place, in the different time that they were in. And yet it all fits together in such harmony. So that there's over 300, some say 400, prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
It just blows your mind when you stop to think about it. You know, I can understand one person writing a book about who God is, which is a lot of other religions. But 50 different people over 2,000 years in three different continents, in all these different cultures, in different languages, in different ways, and yet it ties together? That's impossible. Just impossible. Unless God was in the whole thing. And of course, there are many theological reasons that I'm not going to go into today about why Jesus had to come. Because that's deep. And it's Christmas. Today I want to talk to you about some of the other reasons. The relational reasons. Why Jesus had to come as a little baby. Why the manger? Why come like this? Why? I think the first reason is because it's like the start. You know that saying, start as you mean to go on? You know, it kind of the start sets the groundwork for how you want to progress, doesn't it? And the miracle of Jesus' birth, I think, was, was kind of like a, a start about saying, you know what? Let's start it off in the way that it's going to continue. Let's point to the way he's going to die and what he's going to do in his death. We'll do that right at the very outset so that you know that there is something unique, something special, something completely other about this that's going on. This is not normal. This is, not, this is, this is abnormal in our world. This is supernatural. Matthew 1, he says this. This is the, the word that comes to Joseph. But after he had considered this, that's Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The, the miracle and the, the, un, the, the nature of the birth of Jesus Christ and why, why it started this way was a pointing to what was coming in the future. That somehow this, this, this miracle birth would, would lead ultimately to a miracle death that would save us that would reunite us to God, that would call us back, that would open the way to who God is. And I think part of the reason it started right at the start like this is to point us to the future. But there's more. The first thing is the miracle life, but the second thing is this. What do you have to do, or how does it make you feel if you were to approach this person? See who it is? King Charles the third. Not the first or the second, but the third. Now, what do you have to do if you want to approach King Charles III? Well, first you need an invite, don't you? Any of you just rock up and go, no? 
then what do you have to do? Well, you're told what you have to do, I think. I think you're told that you have to kind of stand in line and you'll be called in when you're called in and you have to bow when you have to bow and you have to, or curtsy or whatever else you have to do. And you're told how you, you're not supposed to just go up there and say, hey, did you see the football yesterday? Oh, you, you, you wait till you're spoken to and all these kind of things, right? What about if you see, oh, exactly. You, you, didn't, you didn't sound like that when you saw King Charles III. You didn't just go, oh, it's sweet, isn't he? Now, what's the difference? When you see that cute little kid, that baby, what does it make you want to do? Cuddle him. You want to go up and grab his little cheeks. And just, mm. Is that the same with King Charles III? No. You're not going to go up there and go, oh, can I, can I just give you a little cuddle? Can I give you a little squeeze? I mean, what a cutie, eh? You know why Jesus came as a baby? When you look in the Bible, this is John, the Apostle John. This is when he met the risen Christ in Revelation. He said, when I saw him, this is Christ, I fell at his feet as though dead. You ever fallen at someone's feet as though dead? I mean, that's, that's dramatic, right? Then he placed his right hand on me and says, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and I am the last. And he picked him up. That's your reaction when you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You fall down dead and go, I shouldn't be here. Remember Isaiah, when he's taken up, what does he say? He starts calling curses on himself. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I shouldn't be here. Habakkuk says his knees started to shake, right? It's, it's not a great place to be when you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in Luke 2, when you see the shepherds, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And they fell down dead. doesn't say that, does it? It says, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. Do you see the difference? No? Do you see the difference? When the shepherds come and see baby Jesus, what do they want to do? They want to, oh, can I hold him? You know, when Lillian brings newborn princess, whatever her name is going to be, are we all going to fall down as though we're dead? Or are we going to go, oh, can, can I hold her? Can I? And then she's got her in her arms and she's, do you want to hold her? And you're like, oh. And if you're like me, the only thing that's going through your head is, just don't drop the kid, don't drop the kid. And then you kind of relief when you hand them back, right? But it's, it's like that. Why did Jesus come as a baby? Because he could have come as an adult, right? He could have come in his splendor, and one day he will come back again in splendor, in power, in glory that we sing about. 
But I think Jesus wanted us to kind of recognize. He wanted to make a statement, which is why he came as a baby, which says, you know what? I want you to cuddle me. I, I want you to grab my little cheeks and go, I, I want to be accessible to you like a baby is accessible. I want you to take me in your arms and just hold me and love me. I want to, I want to, I want to show you what it means to be open and to, and to be accepted and loved. Babies have a way of drawing people, don't they? I say, when, when Lillian comes with little baby, we'll all be like, oh, can I see, can I see? They always sit here, so I'm going this way, right? Can I see? And we'll all kind of, you know, let's welcome one another to church, and there'll be a swarm of people around here going, I want to see the baby. And Jesus, I think, is saying the same thing. He's saying, you know what? I want people to gather around God with that same delight, that same hunger, that same love. And so he came as a baby in a stable. Not as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Not as royalty. Not, not in a palace where we'd need an invitation. But in a place where anybody can go. You see, it fills us with that hope and that joy. You know, when you look in a baby, you, you just think about what's to come and their life that's in, in front of them. The expectation of their lives. And it reminds us so quickly of what really matters in life. Why did Jesus have to come as a baby? I think, too, he came to remind us, show us of his love for us by revealing to us his humanity. You see, Jesus' greatest task was to be human. Jesus is God. Jesus is spirit. Jesus came from his heavenly home down to earth. Jesus' credentials as the King of kings and the Lord of lords is unquestionable. When you read through the gospel accounts, the demons, those that live in the spirit world, know exactly who he is. It's not his divinity that's ever in question with Jesus. It's his humanity. Jesus had to become like us to help us to become like him. Think of it like this. Where, where's, uh, where's, I'm looking for Navado. Is he, is he here? Come up the front, mate. I'm picking, he doesn't know why I'm picking on him today. This is what happens when you get the shadow me. I'm going to show you something. Come, come with me. I'm going to show you something up here. You don't show anybody else. All right? This is just for you. your eyes only, as James Bond said. All right? I'm not going to sing it. 
But I have in here something that's special. Oh, no, it's not in there. Hang on. It's in here. Yeah, don't let them see. There. This is so special. I'll tell you why. You can hold it. You feel how soft it is? It's beautiful, isn't it? I bought that when I was on holiday with my youngest son in Copenhagen. Took him there. And every year that comes out and that goes up on the Christmas tree. Because it just reminds me of that trip. It's cracking, isn't it? All right, I'm going to put it away. You can go now. Now that I've seen it. No one else can see it. Now, actually, before you go, why don't you tell everybody else what it was? What it felt like? No, it was. What it was? So it was like a little, like a, a what, what was it? <laughs> like a, um, a fairy, like a troll? Like a fairy toy troll type thing. Quite interesting, yeah. Okay. You see, what did Jesus do? Jesus did what I just did. You see, Jesus knows God the Father, right? So he had to come from there down to you and me. Just the way I got Nevada and I said, come with me. Let me show you. Let me show you something. It's not a troll at all. I don't know what he's talking about. Don't have trolls in Copenhagen, mate. Anyway. Oh, no, I'm not showing you. But what he's done is, Jesus has come from heaven. But he had to become human to lead us from humanity to show us heaven. I went and I got Nevada and I said, come up here, mate. And you come. And I took him and I said, have a look at this. And I showed him. He didn't do great, to be fair. And then I said, you, sh you tell other people what you saw, what you felt. It's really soft. It's a beautiful little thing. You're desperate to know. Not a chance. But that's what Jesus has done, right? He, he's come down to earth, come down to our realm, to where we are. Came down in physical form, like you and me. So that he can take us by the hand and lead us back up to God, up to heaven. You see, it's one thing. Somebody who's been there, somebody who's seen it, trying to describe it to you guys. If I was to give you all a sheet of paper and tell you to draw what Nevado said, I would have 50 different drawings, right? And that's, that's what you get sometimes. That's what religion does for you. Jesus said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to take you by the hand and lead you back to the Father. You see, if I was to give you what's in my bag and pass it around, you would like go, that's not a troll. What are you talking about? 
and you'd feel it and you'd experience it for yourself and you would then be able to describe it to someone else, right? Right now, all you have is Navado's description for you. That's it. And you see what the problem was that all we had was, was, was a few people's description of them meeting with God. Who went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? Moses. How many other people were able to meet with God face to face like that? None. You, you touch this mountain, you're going to die. Only Moses. So Moses, Moses, what was it like? What was it like? What was it like? It was kind of like a troll. No, it wasn't like a troll. You know, it was something else. That's just, it's a, not a bad description. I'm just joking. But do you see what I'm trying to say? You see, they then had to live through Moses' description of what Moses experienced. Whereas Jesus said, I want to come and I'm going to take you by the hand because I have to come to where you are and lead you by the hand and take you up to where God is so that you can all have that experience for yourself. Then you will know. Do you understand? Then you will be able to experience it. That's what Jeremiah said in 3131, right? The new covenant. I will be your God. You will all know me from the least to the greatest. You're not going to just experience me through someone else, through a third party. You can experience me for yourself. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he came down as a baby, because he said, you know what? I want to show you my openness. I want to show you who I am, but I want to lead you by the hand and take you through my life back to who God is, to reveal God to you. Jesus had to reveal his humanity. In Philippians, it says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, because he was God, right, right from the outset, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He gave up, in a sense, or he, 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 he left that, that state of divinity or that, that place where he was, and he came down by giving up all those power and, and influence and privilege and place that, that God has in heaven to become born in a stable like you and me. Born in humanity so that he can take us by the hand and say, hey, come with me. Let me, let me take you to where I am. Let me take you into the spirit realm. Let me take you so that you can experience God for yourself. Not just because I'm telling you, but because I am going to take you to where he is. You will all know me with intimacy from the least to the greatest. That's why he came. And it cost him, in a sense, giving up all of that to come down to be like you and me. You see, more than anywhere else, the stable reveals Jesus' humanity. He starts as one of us. He was born like one of us. Mary had to give birth 
to baby Jesus. Right from the outset. He said, I'm going to be like you so that I can take you to be like me. And because of that, he associates with us in every part of our lives. You see, what's Jesus' current role right now? What does Jesus do now? What does he do? Sorry? He intercedes for us. Where do you find that in the Bible? That is the correct answer. I'll throw that, because you've answered that bit, I'll throw that open to everybody else. Where is that? We read it a few weeks ago, didn't we? James is a good answer, because that's what we're studying. It's not right. That would have been too easy, but it was a great answer. Romans, Romans 8. Romans 8. Do you remember all things work for good for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ? That's in the middle of Romans 8, right? That's, that's, that's the worst Christian verse ever when people are struggling. When you're going through a hard time and a Christian brother or sister comes up and goes, you know, Michelle, I know you're struggling, but all things work for the good. Those who love Jesus. And you just want to go, Poof, don't you? Just not helpful. But you know what? Why that verse is that? Do you know what's either side of it? Before that verse, it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Do you remember what interceding is? What's interceding? Do you remember the picture? Getting in the ditch. Remember the car that's gone off the road? In the ditch. It says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit gets in the ditch with us. And then after that, all things work for the good. It says, and Jesus gets in the ditch with us too. So in the ditch, when we get into the ditches of life, we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus. It's not surprising that then all things work for the good. That actually his purposes and his plans actually work out, is it? That's why. That's why, because Jesus and the Spirit are in the ditch with you and me in the corners of life. And Jesus came as a baby because he wanted to associate with every single part of our lives. If he'd have come just as an adult, we'd have said, well, what about, you've never been to school and struggled with bullying at school. You've never struggled with sibling rivalry in the home. You never had to share a bedroom with someone else when you were growing up. You never had an irritating brother or sister that kept bugging you all the time. You didn't know what it was to have, have need and have want. If Jesus had come as the King of kings and Lord of lords, how could he associate with you and me? I, I used to work for government years ago. And part of my job was to, to, uh, to do these kind of, some of the people in government, they were, they were sort of, some of the members of the royal family were on the committees. I remember having dinner with sitting opposite one of the members of the royal family, and I'm sitting there kind of going, what, what, what do I have in common with this person? Like, their world and my world are so radically different. What do you talk about? You know, did, you've been watching Strictly lately? You know, <laughs> what do you talk about with someone whose circle is, is radically just 
They don't even intersect. You sending your kids to how they doing in school, you know, like well, they go to private school somewhere in Chelsea or I don't know, like you imagine sitting down for dinner with Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It'd be like astronomically worse, wouldn't it? Like but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like if he had to come just as the ruler, as the king, as the how would that intersect with your world and my world? How could Jesus really then understand who we are and what we go through? When you're born into privilege like that, when you're born into a different world and a different circle and a different environment, how, how can you relate? But it says in the book of Hebrews, For we do not have a high priest, the intercessor, right? who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. In Jesus, what we find and why he was born in a baby, in a stable was so that we know that he understands. He understands poverty. He understands destitution. He understands living on the streets. He understands what it means to be a refugee in another country because when he was a kid, he was whisked away to Egypt. He understands what it is to have, have splinters in your fingers and have to work hard for your life. He understands what it is to struggle. He understands what it is when people betray you, when, when things don't go the, the way that you hoped that they were going to go. He understands the struggles of life. We have in Jesus Christ, because he was born as a baby in a manger all those years ago, someone that understands you and me. So that when you pray, when you talk to Jesus, you talk to somebody who understands. He knows. He's been tempted like we are. He's been, he struggled like we are. He struggled worse than us so that he was actually sweating out drops of blood in his struggle. He knows. He knows what it's like. And he came as that baby to say, you know what? In every aspect of your life, I know. I know. So I'll climb into that ditch with you. And I'll help you out of it. I'll see you through. Because I understand. And just as important it is, as it is for him to understand, it's maybe more important that we know that he understands. He understands my weaknesses and my frailties. He understands my temptations and my struggles. He understands when I gain victory over something and how that makes me feel. He understands. And through his understanding... He says, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. He understands. He understands it all. And that makes all the difference. Because he associates with each one of us. And the last reason, or the last reason I'm going to give today, is I think it's because God wants you and me to know that family is so important. 
Jesus could have come down as the king. He could have come down in isolation and just say, I, I'm, I'm all right, I've got the Father and the Spirit. But he didn't. He came in a family. He came with a father and a mother, or a stepfather at least. Right? He had brothers and sisters. He grew up in a family unit. And he called his disciples to be family, and he calls you and me to be family. Why do we welcome one another to church every week? Because we like shaking hands? No, because we're family. It's a family gathering that we have every Sunday. Why do we go and have tea and coffee and eat together afterwards? Because it's a family gathering. And I love cake. Right? We're family. This is the Trinity family. And, and we, we, it's beautiful. And God, I think, wanted to say to us, you know what? Families are vital. Families are important. My son, I could have just sent him down in isolation, but I wanted him to be part of a family. To have a, a dad and a mom and siblings and understand what that means. You know why? Galatians 6.2 says what? Don't look at the screen because I've not put it on there. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, love. And you can't love in isolation, can you? You can love one another as I have loved you. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Be part of a family. To show love to one another. Care for one another. To be Christ to one another. Isn't that amazing what Jesus has done? He gave it all up so that we might become the family of God. I love this picture. I particularly love the strange guy that's standing upside down. I, I do wonder if somebody posed for that and how many times it took before, you know. But we're all different. We've all had different journeys, but we're all family. Amen? And that's the beauty of what Christ has done for you and me. Why did he come? He came all those years ago to say, I love you. I want to understand you. And I want you to be part of my family. I don't know what you guys are going through right now. But I do know a God who understands. He's not only been there, but he stays there with each one of us. He keeps on loving us, keeps on drawing us to himself, and keeps on saying, I'm with you.